Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Sullis, and with me, as always, is my very, very, very talented friend who can always spice things up, the mixtress, DC Gina. Hi, Louise. Hey, lovely. I, got, I have a little um, pepper on my, on my fingertips. Spice it up, just rub my eye. Hurts. You know, I love the fact that the extent you go to for the show, despite you put pepper in your eye. I mean, <laughs> that's called dedication. I feel like I just got peppers. I'm like, well, okay, great. All right. So my next line was going to be something about a little more spice, but I don't know if you need that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's talk about a different one, though. So do you know that it's recorded that there are about 40 herbs and spices that have been identified throughout the world? Okay. Good old Colonel Sanders, well, he used 11 of those herbs and spices in his original recipe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And another Southern favorite, Dr. Pepper. Well, they use- My fave. Is it? Yes, they use prunes as their base. It's such a weird drink. No. Do you know that, it's, did you know Delicious. that they use 23 of yes. 40 of those? Yes, and one of them is prunes. Is a prune a spice? I don't care. No, it's an ingredient. It's, so. it's an ingredient, but it's fucking good. <laughs> such a weird drink. Delicious. Okay, I'm not debating it, you know? I mean, to each his own. You are the master of all things And a little gray goose in there is, is fine, too. Oh, my God. Again, you're the mixtress, DC, the master of all liquids. Who am I to debate you on taste? Everybody Never. also has, like, you know, some kind of trashy thing that they like, and yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, like Doritos. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, with those, and then nasty bean dip that you get at the gas station, too. Yeah. Yeah, disgusting, but I love it. Yeah. All right, back to the show. So, obviously, we don't know all the spices no. and herbs in these secret recipes, but considering black pepper and cumin are the two top-selling spices in the world, maybe they make the cut. Mm. But maybe not the most commonly used herb, which was this kind of confused when I did the research. The most commonly used herb is coriander, which is also known as cilantro, depending on what part of the plant you use. Yep. Didn't know that till I did this research. Well, you should like it because you like guacamole <laughs> and salsa <laughs> and Indian food. Well, yes. All of that is Absolutely. coriander city. Absolutely. Curries. But I'm going to bet this, the oldest spice known to man is probably in marijuana. at least one of two of these recipes. Is that marijuana? No, it's not. Okay, sorry. Cinnamon. Oh, uh, yeah, spice trade. That yeah. makes sense. It's yeah, the yeah, oldest yeah. known spice to the world. So obviously, talking all the spice, where I'm leading up to, is that it just goes to prove that diversity indeed is the spice of life. Oh. You like that? Mm, I do like that. And speaking of diversity. I like better what I'm looking at, though. There you go. Speaking <laughs> of diversity brings me to today's designated drinker. He definitely understands the benefit of spicing things up. And, uh, well, he's your friend. He should have. Uh, and, <laughs> and making things better through diversity. He is Bacardi's trade director of multicultural and LGBTQ plus advocacy. Please welcome Colin Asir. No. Do it again. Help me, Colin. Asari up here. There you go. And I just said it right. <laughs> just so you know, you are one of many guests that I butcher your name. I was so nervous. I just said it right. That should be literally one of the Instagrams where you literally just do every guest name that you mess and up. And wrong. it's just like everything's wrong. John Smith is John Smite. I'm yeah, terrible. It's I'm terrible. terrible. Brilliant. <laughs> um, Hi, Colin. But we are very honored to have you. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> it seems like you've been very busy during the pandemic and then post-pandemic. We're not post-pandemic yet. Well, we're in the, the end of it. I we know. hope. It's tail we hope. We're tailing. Yeah. 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 So we know you have a recent book and we want to get there. Mm. But 
First, please, please, please tell our listeners what it means to be that trade director of multicultural and LGBTQ plus advocacy for Bacardi. What does Ooh, that mean? That was a, that's a really long, long title, right? I try and shorten it, but it's not possible. But no, I've been in the role for two and a half years now, and it's a role which I absolutely love. The business is 100% uh, behind uh, the role and the platform. And the idea is that we felt a real need as a business, as a team, Bacardi, to ensure that everyone was represented. And so we, of course, made the decision to set up a division that focused on multicultural and LGBTQ plus bartenders. Because as you said earlier, diversity is the spice of life. The more people that we can have in the industry that are from varied backgrounds, the more we have the opportunity to really grab from them their experiences and use that in the mix of cocktails. You know, for example, you were talking about 40, the, there are what, 40 herbs and spices? Only certain demographics use certain spices in their cooking and their everyday culinary uh, skills. But having the opportunity to have a lot more people from more diverse backgrounds allows us in the industry as well, not only uh, to have representation, but then to have different mindsets and different ways of thinking, different ways of working. And representation really matters. That's what we found. And the whole industry is 100% behind it. I remember when I went to Tales of the Cocktail, which is our big industry um, yes. event, maybe 12 years ago. It was very different to what it looks like now. Um, the, there was a lack of diversity then, and now there's a lot more diversity. There's a lot more programming um, in place to ensure that lots of people are represented. In my role as the Bacardi Multicultural and LGBTQ plus ambassador, and manager, I ensure that we have all of our programs that we engage with the bar community is also shared amongst the multicultural bar industry and also the LGBTQ plus industry so that they have a fair crack of the whip. They can get involved in our competitions. They can come to Tales of the Cocktails. They can add all of their spice into all the cocktail culture that we enjoy and that we're continually promoting and we're continually moving forward. And it's definitely something I think is going to be a focus for majority of brands uh, moving forward. Consumers want it. Consumers want to see diversity in their drinks, and we're definitely providing that. And as I mentioned earlier, with representation, all of our team are a representation of the culture that they're from. So we intentionally did that so that we stay true to what we believe in. You know, I mean, as a consumer, you know, because I, we all know, I'm not from the side of the bar that you and Gina are from, but from yeah. a consumer standpoint, I, for me, the diversity just adds so much, one, to the experience, but it introduces, to your point, another flavor of profile and changes cocktails and introduces me to new flavors that I'm, I, from 
just wouldn't know about. And as a patron of a bar, I mean, everyone, I can't imagine it not being something we would all want. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, think about it. Even in a simple cocktail uh, like a punch, we always sprinkle a little bit of either nutmeg or allspice across the top of the cocktail. I mean, the Caribbean... Um, and Grenada in particular gave us the nutmeg that we also know and love. And if it hadn't been for, for that culture, maybe we would have never had um, that nutmeg grate on top of our uh, cocktail. Because as you know, Gina, I, I always, uh, for me, when I'm making something like a punch, I always use the, there's a rhyming slang, which is, I, I actually found it in Barbados when I was visiting. And it was always one is sweet, two is sour, three is strong, four of weak, and five is spice to make things nice. And I've always used that as kind of a building block for all my cocktails ever since I found that uh, rhyming slang, you know? And um, we definitely, as I'll say, as a group of black people, um, we've definitely added a lot of spice to the cocktail industry over the years. I think that's something that's, um, first of all, it's definitely something that needs to be more, shed more light on the situation of like, mm. You know where all these things come from. It wasn't some. It wasn't some fucking settler that brought it to the U.S. and they made these great bartenders, and then they went out from the world. I think that people don't realize that you know there was this thing called the spice trade. They came from all of like Africa, South America, you know, the Caribbean, like all the different places, and Indochina and, like, as well. Indochina, yeah, obvious, yes, of mm. course, and like. You're right. They don't. There's no representation for it. There's no. There's like every now and again. There's like an article or something that comes up that makes it into a cocktail book. That there's some like from like 1888, like where something <laughs> yeah. showed up. But like that's fucking bullshit. Because at the end of the day, everybody deserves to have you know their say in history, right? What history was, is, and what it will be. And I think that it's it's so wonderful that this time in our careers, right? Yeah. That like. This is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna do this so strong for the for the well being of the bartending community. And I think that like one thing that like say like restaurateurs and then bar owners and the young ones that are coming up and the, and also the crisis of hiring right now in the restaurant business. It's because I think some of the some of it has to do with the fact that it wasn't in an inclusive environment. It was, and for me, and I am I am, we all know I'm white, okay, but I am definitely a woman. And it wasn't as easy for me to come in and break into a club that was all male, for sure. And then I can't imagine, and no offense, Colin, being a black a black female, which is even harder. Yeah. So giving a voice to and, you're, and Colin's just lovely has a lovely accent. So immediately he's a better bartender. <laughs> I just want to listen to him all day. Um, like, we just have podcasts of just him talking. But I'm serious. <laughs> like you're giving what your platform, what Bacardi's doing, what you're doing, what what you're doing, and you're yeah. and Bacardi's allowing, uh, you know, helping and funding really your voice. Yeah, it's very important globally to make this very well known that this is an industry that one is inclusive two. People want to be around other um, cultures and multicultural and, you know, every skin tone and all these things. And it's important that the restaurant business remain that because if we don't, then what we've done is really screwed it all up because the one thing a restaurant can be is always creative. What it could always be is use all the ingredients. Well, then all the ingredients also include all the people. And just because you and, and I don't and I don't practice it. So. 
you know, it's fine. You can come to any of my any of my places. But I don't think that one person deserves to be in the kitchen and one person deserves to be on the bar and one person yeah. deserves to be the door guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You need to have everybody mixed up based on their talents yep. and drive and willingness to become great. Yep. And also provide the same amount of, you know, mentorship. And I think that's what you're doing, Colin. Like, you know, people that we've spoken to and stuff, like, it's a mentorship. It's bigger than just... Yeah. You know, talking to people of color and saying, oh, you could be a bartender. Oh, you're a great bartender. Or giving them that. It's more of giving them the mentorship to say, be fucking proud of what you're doing. Be bolder about it. Be okay to say, I'm a black bartender. I'm a black mixologist. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, it's okay to just be bigger about it. There's no reason yeah. to be quiet. It's like, you know, like, it's it's kind of ridiculous, you, really. Colin, considering heading this up and it's... Sure. Um, it's very, because you said, and I, and I know you don't mean it this way, but the, what you said is just be this. How do you build uh, those bridges, to your point, Gina, that allow people to be louder or to take pride? I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, often people are like, well, why can't you do better? Why can't you do more? But those opportunities aren't always present, right. and nor when they are present, it's not of common behavior to take them. So it's not about helping p open doors for people, it's helping people understand they can open the door themselves and continue to open doors. It's not that they're incapable, but it's building those bridges that help people, and to your point, grow. It's not just do a better job, it's growing as a human. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're, you're right in all of that. I mean, for us, the opportunity uh, for us to, show and highlight the the breadth of the opportunity in this industry is is really amazing we we are lucky as Jeannie you mentioned we're lucky as a moment in uh, we have a moment in time here in the industry to do something really uh, different and make real change there are lots of opportunities for people to get involved in the industry but as you said Louise you know, if they don't know, they don't know. So it's for us to intentionally take it, all these opportunities to people who have not had the access before. You know, there's lot, there are lots of reasons why, and I don't know if we've got uh, the time to unpack yeah. all of that, um, yep. that people haven't had uh, the access in the industry before, but we're trying in our small way to make those change. You know, a walk starts with one step. So let's just keep taking the steps. One step after the other. One yeah. step at a time. But, you know, intentionally and also with the mindset of being inclusive and with the mindset also of ensuring that there's no one um, kind of left behind with our approaches to how we engage with people. We've got to be intentional of how we engage with people as well. And we've got to be able to listen a lot. What we didn't listen, uh, do a lot in the past was we were really bad at listening, um, just as an industry. Not our it. listeners of the Designated Drinker Show. They listen <laughs> to every word. <laughs> no, but we're really bad as an industry at listening to each other and really, really listening, not just hearing, but listening, and then taking action on um, on what was actually being said. I'm really, really glad that at this moment in time, we are a being more inclusive we're definitely trying as much as we can to just be intentional and just be in a moment uh with what we do 
We have lots of programs um, as a team that we've reskinned and we rehoned to ensure that, yeah, you know, when we do take it to a multicultural account, it makes sense, you know, because it's not one hat fits all, whereas it used to be before, and which was one of the problems and one of the barriers of getting into uh, the industry. As Gina, you mentioned earlier, there's a real problem with um, trying to get staff into the industry at the moment. Uh, but, you know, there's a myriad of reasons why uh, people don't want to get in, into the industry. And I'm actually having a conversation, uh, it's called Full Hands In, Full Hands Out on the Tells platform, just about that topic. How do you bring people in? How do you retain them? How do you inspire them? How do you ensure that you have a diverse workforce and a diverse talent pool? And how do you ensure that all of your staff have a myriad of different talents and they're trained as well um, in your workspace? And I'm having this uh, conversation soon. And I think it's about time we had it because there's a lot that needs to be done. And I think together we can definitely get the job done as opposed to trying to do everything individually. So as a panel, we're going to discuss that on the session in a few weeks. That's amazing. Isn't Gina, it? wouldn't you agree that like, I mean, in your space being, you have both experiences being an employee and being an employer. Ugh. This would be- I want to go back to being an employee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is a space where you're not just training one direction, you're training both directions, training right? Training people too. Because you're training management, you got to train up yeah. so that management does a better job to keep, even though you make access to keep it open, to keep it for, so people feel valued and respected. And then teaching down sounds the wrong word, but so that people understand that they, you want them to be confident. You want them to bring their whole self to the business. And you, but you also have to understand, like, here's one thing I, I never, I always talk about with the restaurant business and everything is like, it's okay to move on. You know, like people like think that they're yeah. like, because they work for some major, you know, bar or star tender or whatever you want to call anybody that's star like- Star tender, think, think Ooh, that I like that. That they're, 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 they're like these famous people. And they treat people, some of them treat them very well, some do not. Mm. And they people are afraid to leave because they're going to be like a career wrecking ball, right? And I think that what one thing that everyone needs to start to learn how to do is like, it is okay to take a breath and you know want to try something different in in the industry or a new person or a different like place that you want to go or where you feel valued. And what I always try to tell everybody is like, when you don't feel valued, it's okay to like take that as like a self like preservation and like and go, mm. you know, and like, or an That's opportunity universal. comes your way. That's, those are universal words. But, but, <laughs> but when also, you know, it's okay sometimes to say, you know, like, can you see me? Like you can all, you know, say to your employer, do you see what I do? Do you see what I'm doing? Do you understand my value? And it's okay to have those conversations. And like, I keep, I don't have an office and everyone knows this about me, I have no office. Because my office is bar seat one yeah. in any location that I'm in. And I listen to what my bartenders, my kitchen, whoever's got to say. They all have my cell phone number. They all they text me at all kinds of hours of the night, whatever, it doesn't matter. But like they're all bigger. And like I have some amazing people that went on to like have great programs. So that being said, I think mm. it's time for you to be the star tender. We're gonna <laughs> do a quick tip on how to make juice out of watermelon, which I think is super fun. So here we go. So you got in your cocktail recipe and it says puree, you don't own a blender, great, no problem. So I'm gonna show you two ways that you can do your um, 
whatever puree. This time we're gonna use watermelon. So, you know, something calls for two ounces of puree. That's about five pieces of watermelon cubed. Um, you know, super easy, right? So you have the old standby, you know, your muddler, your friend the muddler, and you can give it a nice squish and you're gonna get a nice pulpy deliciousness of watermelon, right? And when you have this juice in here, right? Watermelon, I call it watermelon water because really it's not a juice. There's no sugar added to it. It is watermelon, straight up water, right? So that's one if they're calling for a puree, right? If they're calling for that, uh, they're doing that and you wanna just do a juice, something a little bit more refined, you just take your watermelon and put it in your hand juicer, which you know I'm a huge fan of, and you give it a little side tilt. And then this time you're gonna have a cleaner version of your juice. So that way you won't get all the seeds and stuff and everything in there, right? Well, if you're gonna use this in the drink and you wanna make it so it's a very, very clean version of that drink, you can go ahead and get one of these fine mesh strainers, which I totally love. And I'll give you an example of what it does. We'll take a nice clean glass and we'll just for fun, take the big gloppiness of this, drop it in. And that's gonna give you the best version of your water or juice, or I mean, I would call it a water that you can get. I mean, look at that color. It's kind of amazing, right? So delicious. So for that tip and hot trick, you're gonna go to designateddrinker.show um, and you can get all of my other tips and tricks and you can follow us on Instagram at designateddrinker. So we'd love to see I you there. made me thirsty, Yeah, well, well, you'll have to get to the cocktail in the next episode. All right, speaking of, this brings us to the end of part one with Colin Asari Appia, trade director of multicultural and LGBTQ advocacy for Bacardi. Um, and he and here's something else I we haven't even talked about, which means this is all you gotta come back for part two, because he is also the co-author of a recipe book. Woo, it's called Black Mixolence. Mixolency. Gina and I had it two different ways. But anyway, so come back for part two. If you're anything like Gina and I, one round of Colin is never enough. Make sure you go top off that drink yep. and get ready to check out part two, where we continue our boozy banter and uh, celebrate diversity <laughs> and inclusion, while uh, Gina is gonna take a stab at crafting uh, one of Colin's amazing cocktails that'll be found in this soon-to-be-released recipe book. So hurry back. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.